I need to just confess something to you, and it's not because I had a bad childhood. In fact, I had a really great childhood. I grew up with loving parents uh, that, man, they, we just in a very functional home, and, and uh, I had an awesome childhood. But I always have a problem, and sometimes it even bothers my mom a little bit, and that is that I have very few childhood memories. I, I can't remember a lot about my childhood. And I will say this, I have even fewer bad memories as a child. Very, very few bad memories as a child. One of the, the memories that I have that's not as good is that I do remember being in junior high one time and my friends deciding to have a slumber party without me. How many of you have some time in your life where you didn't get invited to something? Raise your hand. Some time in your life where you didn't get invited. Not all of you should have your hands raised. Some of you are like, I'm too cool for that. I get invited to everything. You're a liar, okay? And so, and so we've all had times where, man, we didn't get invited to something. There's even times now where you're scrolling along on Facebook or Instagram on social media, and, and you see all of your friends somewhere, and you go, oh, I guess they didn't, they forgot to send me an invitation uh, for that. Getting, not getting invited somewhere is not fun, but I, I want to tell you this. I have to tell you that something that even hurts me to say out loud, and that is there are some places where non-Christians, people that are not yet believers in Jesus, feel uninvited. There are churches where people that don't look a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, believe a certain way, where they actually feel from that church I'm not welcome here. I'm not invited here. They don't want me here. One of the things that I've said for many years is not only that we're reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus, but I've also said this will always be a church where you can belong before you believe. Hello? Do you think Jesus? Let's, we'll get into that in just a second. I just want to tell you something. If you're here this morning, and you're a guest, or you're here this morning and you've come back, no matter how you ended up here, a friend cared enough to invite you, you heard there was pretty girls at this church, whatever reason that you find yourself sitting here, I just want to tell you, this is a place where no matter what your belief system is, or if you don't even have a belief system, this is a place where you are invited. Right, church? This is a place you're invited and where you're welcome. Because here's the good news. Jesus invites what religion can overlook. Jesus invites people that others will overlook. In fact, it is actually his priority to do that. It is our priority to invite others to the life that Jesus has for them. And because it is his priority, it is my priority that I can invite others to the, to the life that Jesus has for them. Now, I want to give you the context of a story that we're going to read about this morning. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is on the planet, and he's physically walking the earth, and supposedly, Jesus is a religious guy. And so, the Pharisees, who were the modern-day religious scholars of the day, 
they believed, and, and really others believed, that if Jesus was really religious and he was really the Son of God, he was going to be pro-Pharisee. He was going to be for the Pharisees. He was going to be for these religious guys that had flowing robes and, and, you know, walked a certain way and talked a certain way and prayed a certain way. And he, he, they believed that he was going to be pro-Pharisee. But the story I want to tell you about this morning actually proves to be much different than that. Because one day, one of these religious leaders, these Pharisees named Simon, has a party. Now, you got to imagine a Pharisee party is much different than a party that you and I would attend. Like, they're not attending a party with, you know, hot dogs and, and, and hamburgers, and they're not singing the latest Jewish rap songs, you know, together or, or whatever. They're not doing any of that. A, a, a party that a Pharisee would throw, would throw would be much different. See, here's their idea of a party. They actually would sit together, these Pharisees, these religious scholars, they would sit together in a room, and they would talk about multiple issues. They would talk about theology. They would talk about cultural trends. They would talk about the politics of the day. And they would talk about it in a certain place called an outer room. An outer room would be at the edge of a Jewish house, and they would sit in that room on purpose. And the reason they would sit in that room and talk and have their parties is because it was connected to what was called an, a porch, okay? And the porch would be open, the outer room would be open to the porch. And the reason why is because the common people, the non-religious people, the common people of the day would file into the porch and they would listen. They weren't allowed to talk, but they would just watch. They would watch these Pharisees talk about all these ideas. They would, they would get into these ontological ar arguments about pneumatology and soteriology and all of these different aspects. And some of you go, I have no idea what words you're talking about uh, now. Well, that's exactly what the Pharisees would do. They would, they would paint eloquent, and they would wax, you know, these impressive arguments together, and they'd go back and forth, and they would debate all of these things, and the people on the porch, the common folks, would just stand by and watch. You say, why would they do that? Well, you got to remember, there wasn't much entertainment back in that day, okay? They didn't have video games. They didn't have Netflix, you know? They, they, they didn't have any of that. This is like first century Jewish entertainment. Let's walk, let's watch these religious scholars argue with, with each other and try to impress all of the rest of us. And at this particular party, Jesus got invited. He got invited, but somebody else came with Jesus to see Jesus that had not been invited. And it literally freaks out these Pharisees. And they hated every single moment of it. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 7, verse 37 says this. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Now keep the scripture up. Let's stop right there. Here's what that means. This is code language, y'all. This is the town prostitute. Okay? A woman who lived a sinful life, meaning the town prostitute, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, just imagine this. The Pharisees are sitting in that room. They're waxing eloquent. And all of a sudden, this hooker, this town prostitute, 
runs into the house and she makes a beeline for Jesus and every Pharisee in the room gasp. This isn't right. This isn't proper. We are waxing eloquent right now. People are watching us and most importantly, she's not only unworthy to be in this room with us, she's not invited. She wasn't invited into this room. I want you to get into the mind of this young woman, if you will, with me. I want you to understand how she felt in the room full of Pharisees, these religious people that were looking their nose down at her. I want you to understand that most likely when she was a child, she did not grow up thinking to herself, I hope someday my dream is that I can grow up and I can be a prostitute. Hello? In fact, I don't think when she was at a, a slumber party with her friends and they're, they're going, they're playing truth or dare or whatever they're playing, and, and, and somebody said, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and, uh, and somebody said, I want to be a real estate agent. And the other person said, I want to be a doctor. And I want to be a lawyer. And she piped up and she went, I have a dream that one day I can grow up and be a prostitute. I don't think she said that, do you? I don't think so. I don't think this was her dream in life to end up where she ended up. I don't think that any child dreams of being that, but, and I don't know the exact story of how this particular lady in Scripture ended up where she is, but I, I have some thoughts, and I've done a, just a tad bit of research about people, how people end up going down this path even in our modern day. Maybe this lady had an uninvolved dad. Maybe this dad didn't protect her from the wrong influences. And she got in with the wrong crowd. And as she got in with the wrong crowd, she started to go down a path that she would have never dreamed she would end up. Maybe this, this girl ended up getting pregnant by somebody that was pressuring her. Maybe this guy said, come on, if you love me, you'll do it. And, and, and she caved in to the pressure, and, and he skipped town, and she got pregnant. And back in that day, Listen, you couldn't get a job if you were pregnant. You were not welcome into the synagogues if you were pregnant before you got married. She most likely had been ostracized, okay? Or maybe she just had to feed her children, and she had no other way that she could because she had been ostracized. And so she ends up doing this thing that she never would imagine she would have done. Now she's living this life as a prostitute. I guarantee you that she didn't want to, to do this, but I can also guarantee you of the fact that every day she would walk through the city streets and men would gawk at her and women would scorn her. Every day she would, when she would go out of the house, she was either gawked at or she was scorned by people. And when she would walk by, the people would ridicule her and, and, and moms would say, Get, get away from that, that lady. She's unclean. She's unworthy. And, and we don't, listen, children, look away. Look away from her. You don't want to end up like this lady. And here's what I also know. I know that I think this lady probably represents our friends, our family, and our coworkers. I know that although they may not be prostitutes, I know that Everybody that is living 
imagines that the fact that when they were little, when they were growing up, they probably didn't imagine that their life would turn out like it has. Hello? They probably didn't imagine the divorce. They probably didn't imagine the devastation. They probably didn't imagine that they wouldn't have any contact with their their children anymore. They probably couldn't have imagined the bankruptcy. They couldn't imagine that they'd be in the place that they are in. And the reason why I know that people outside of this room feel that way is because how many of you would be honest enough to know to say, before I came to Jesus, I, I'll be honest and say, I felt that way. Hello? Four of us. That's awesome. Can't imagine life that way. This woman walks into the the Pharisee's party, she dashes straight over to Jesus and she falls to her knees in a posture of worship and she breaks open a jar of perfume. Now, this was a big deal for a few reasons. Number one, this jar of perfume is the most expensive thing that she owns in her home, I promise you. In fact, it's probably worth about a year's worth of her salary. Secondly, this perfume is also the calling card when she would go out into public to let men know when she was wearing this perfume that she is available. She literally, in one act of extravagant worship, she dumps, she breaks open this perfume, she dumps it on Jesus, and it is both an act of worship and an act of repentance. Hello? Understand this, y'all. She breaks open that jar of perfume, and when she does, she's not only saying, Jesus, I want to worship you by giving you the most expensive thing that I own, but I'm also ready to walk away from my, my old life. Hello? I'm walking away. I'm giving up my calling card here, and I'm worshiping you with the most expensive thing that I own. And then all of a sudden, she realizes that that what's happened, she's so overwhelmed in the moment that her emotions overtake her. She's crying, and she's actually crying. Her tears are ending up on Jesus' feet, and she says, wait a second, hold on, there's no towel here. I, I want to dry his feet. I don't want the master's feet uh, to be wet. And so the Bible says that she literally takes her hair, and what does she do? She wipes the feet of Jesus. Now, I'm just going to tell you a few things. Number one, my wife, if you don't know who she is, she was the one leading here at the keyboard and singing. I, and I told her this yesterday. We were at the beach yesterday as a family. I said, I like your hair. I like your hair. By the way, husbands, you can't compliment your wife 20 years into your marriage. You got issues, okay? Ladies, I thought you would. Anyway, let's move on. Trying to help you. I said, I just, your hair is just one of my favorite features about you. And I really like her hair when it's down. And it's okay in a ponytail. That's, that's all. I still like it. But when it's down, it's like, oh, mama, yes. Yes. But listen, in that time, having a lady to have her hair down was not only improper, it was considered shameful. So for this lady to take her hair down and to begin to take that same hair and wipe the feet of Jesus, I mean, in the Pharisees' minds, this has gone from bad to horrible. This is not good. This 
prostitute walked in here. She's breaking perfume, and she's, she wasn't even invited to this party. And now she's doing the shameful act of, of, of taking her hair down and wiping the feet of Jesus. This is not good. And, and the Simon guy, the, the Pharisee that's actually leading the party, he says this, verse 39, watch this. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, in other words, he didn't say it out loud, he thought it. He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus, <laughs> I love Jesus. Jesus is actually like, oh, yeah? I'm about to read your mind, Simon. Because Jesus responds out loud to what Simon had going on in his head. How many know Jesus is like, he's the stuff. I think the, the, the younger crowd would say, he's, he's the drip. I don't know if I did that right. Let's move on. He's the drip. I don't think I did. Let's move on. Verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Then Jesus tells him a story, the fact that this woman was hurting and could. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water from my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven Little loves little. This is my favorite verse of the whole passage. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. In other words, Jesus turns, he talks to Simon, he's, he rebukes Simon, and then he turns to this lady and he lovingly says, you are whole, you are new, you are forgiven, and watch this, you are invited. You're invited, you're invited into a relationship with me. You're invited into the kingdom of God. You are invited not only to this party, but to the bigger party of God's kingdom. Why did this woman risk so much? Why did she wake up that day and walk through the city streets with men gawking and women scorning? Why did she walk past the, the people on the porch that was connected to the outer town. Why? Why did she run and make a beeline for Jesus? Why did she kneel down at his feet and pour perfume and break that alabaster jar of perfume? Why? Why did she wipe Jesus' feet with her hair? Why was she willing to literally walk past these Pharisees that are scowling at her because she had not been invited to that party? Why did she do all of that? I don't know exactly, but I have a feeling that somewhere in the town, along the way, she had seen who Jesus really was. She had experienced his grace, his love, his healing, his forgiveness. And she thought to herself, when she experienced that, probably from afar, I got to get to that guy because that guy is going to help me turn my life around. 
So she does it. She goes to the party. Suffers scorn. Only to be accepted and invited in by Jesus himself. Maybe, just maybe, she may have heard Jesus speak. And if she had heard Jesus speak on that day, what would he have said? Well, there's a parallel passage to uh, the book of Luke, the, the, the gospel of Matthew. Matthew, one of the guys that walked with Jesus, he actually tells a story of something that happened on the same day. And on that same day, these disciples of John the Baptist uh, would come and they would question Jesus and they would say, Jesus, they would begin to question him, and as they begin to question Jesus, Jesus had a message on that day, and the message on that day that maybe this lady, we can't prove it, but maybe she might have heard this message from Jesus. Let me summarize the message that Jesus preached that day. Here's the message. You are invited. You're invited to God's family. You are welcome. You can come. Come just as you are. Come with your imperfectness. Come with your sin. Come with your pain. You are invited. Here's the actual words he said. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come. Come with your brokenness. Come with your shame. Come with your guilt. Come if you've made mistakes. Come if you've had things that have happened in your life that you would have never wanted to happen. Come. Come. And you don't have to wear the right clothes. You don't have to do a certain thing. You don't have to clean yourself up to come. I just want you to come. This is our message. Come, come however you're feeling. Come if you felt like you've never mattered. Come if you've never been invited to somewhere that that mattered. Come, come to him, all you who are weary and heavy laden. All you who are weary. And Jesus said he'll do what? I will give you what? Rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll change your life. I'll rearrange how you feel. I'll rearrange the circumstances. I'll put you in a community of people that will love you and walk with you and and help you along the way. All I want you to do is accept my invitation to come. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said, you're still invited. You're welcome to God's family. My Father in heaven sent me to tell you you're invited. And because Jesus has a priority of inviting people into his kingdom, we have a priority of inviting others into the life that Jesus has for them. Hello? Come. He says, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? The yoke is a wooden cross piece that 
that literally you would put between two animals when they plowed the field and, 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 and they would attach it to those animals. And Jesus is saying that yoke that is upon most of you is heavy. It's a heavy, heavy, heavy yoke. And what I want you to do is exchange yokes. My yoke isn't heavy. It's light. Hello? It's light. I've heard the term in the last few weeks as the band comes forward. I've heard the term from many, many people. I don't know how people that don't have Jesus are getting through this time right now. How many of you have said that or you've heard that recently? Okay, yeah. Why? Because when you come to Jesus, it's not that everything's perfect. You're going through the same struggles everybody else is. But your burden isn't as heavy. Hello? Your yoke is a little lighter when you're walking with Jesus. How many of you know someone that needs to trade yokes and take Jesus' yoke upon them instead of the one that they're carrying? As we go back to our story, I want you to know something. I want you to notice that pointing this woman's sins out didn't lead her out of a lifestyle of sin. Hello? Judging this lady didn't change this lady. Shaming her for who she was and what her career path was didn't change her, did it? What changed her? The love of Jesus changed her. And when she found the love of Jesus, guess what? She turned away from her lifestyle. What is our job as a church? We are not here to judge people. We're not here to shame people. We're not here to ridicule people. We're here to show people the love of Jesus. And guess what? As they find the love of Jesus, they'll turn from their lifestyle. Hello? We're not here to watch people as they walk in and go, oh, I don't know if you're dressed right for church. I'm not sure that you fit the mold. Let me see your Bible. Have you got a lot of highlights in your Bible? If you don't, you're not welcome here. How long have you prayed today? How long did you pray this week? What does that look like? Listen, we laugh. There are many places where Christ followers have had this kind of an attitude towards people that come. But not here. Not at Saints Community. We're reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. Come on. We are welcoming them because Jesus is perfect. And when we show people the love of Jesus, we believe their lives can be changed. As the band comes, she understood that Jesus wasn't going to just offer her judgment, that he was going to offer her hope and peace and love. You see, Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He said this. He came for the sick. He didn't just come for the self-proclaimed righteous people. He came for those who are hurting and broken and have shame and circumstances that they would have never dreamed. He said, come, you're invited. Come into my kingdom. It doesn't matter what you've done. I want you to come. If you've never felt wanted, I want you to come. If you've had doubts about God, I want you to come. 
If you've ever felt let down, I want you to come. Come to me if you feel ashamed. Come to me if you feel unworthy. Come with your baggage. Come where you're not going to be judged. Come. I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. You're invited. As we conclude today, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells another story about an invitation. He actually tells a story about a wedding banquet, a party that God is going to hold. And he says, I want you to invite people and tell them to come. And in the story that Jesus tells, this parable, this made-up story that Jesus tells, he, he actually says uh, to that the, 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 the people give an excuse. In modern-day terms, it would be, I can't, I can't this weekend. Got, got the big game. The big game's happening this weekend. My, 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 you know, we've we're got kids in sports. We're busy. We can't make it. We're on, we're on our fourth vacation. We can't, we can't do it. And so Jesus looks at his followers, and here's what he says. I want you to compel. Everybody say compel. I want you to compel the blind, the lame, and the cripple to come. Why did he say the blind, the lame, and the cripple? Well, here's why. Because in that day, if you were crippled, if you were blind, if you were lame, they assumed you had done something in your life. You had made a grave error. You you had sinned in a major way for you to end up with those kind of things in your life. If you're a cripple, you've probably done great sin. If you're lame, you've done great sin. If you're blind, you've done great sin. And you deserve what you got. And Jesus flipped the script. And he said, hey, if the people that think they got their act together won't come, I want you to compel those that society rejects. Bring the sinners. The ones that everybody's looking down on and scorning. Tell them. You compel those that everyone else overlooks. You compel them to come. And so again, and I say again, and hear me, church, It is our priority to invite others to the life that Jesus has for them. Why is it our priority? Because anything that's a priority for Jesus is a priority for me. Hello? The story concludes with this verse. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? We know who he is, don't we? His name is Jesus. And now it is our responsibility and our privilege to invite others to come. I want you, as we get ready to wrap this morning, I want you to think in your life, who does the lady represent? That you know. Who in your life right now is hurting? What family member, what friend, what coworker? Maybe it's more than one. Who does she represent that you know? I want you to get the, the face of that person that you know. I want you to get the name of that person you know. Somebody that needs to trade yokes. And put on the yoke of Jesus for their burden to be lighter. 
somebody that we can have the privilege of compelling to come both next Sunday and for many to follow because it is our priority to invite others to the life that Jesus has for them. Amen?